This is OMS Voices and Amos Podcast. I'm Bill Klaproth, and with me is Dr. Deepak Kadamani, who is here to discuss oral cancer in the OMS. Dr. Kadamani, thank you for being here. Hi, Bill. It's nice to meet you. You as well. So this is going to be an interesting topic. So let's start with this. What are the types of oral head and neck cancer? There are approximately 53,000 to cases of oral and oropharyngeal cancer diagnosed in North America mm. every year. This also accounts for approximately 10,000 deaths that we see. And if you extrapolate that on a time frame, this accounts for about one patient dying every hour oh. here in the United States okay. from oral and oropharyngeal cancer. So right. this is a significant problem that we have. And I appreciate the opportunity to discuss yeah, I think it's important to discuss this because we might not know of these stats. And now that you say that, it's pretty sobering and it's probably more common than we think. Yes, that's exactly right. It's much more common than we think. Yeah. So what are the different types of cancers that you deal with as an OMS? So I think the way to think about it is that they can be d divided on based, uh, on based on their anatomic location. So we think about the oral cavity, which is the mouth and the associated structures. Mm -hmm. The oropharynx is really the base of the tongue and the tonsils and the posterior part of the pharynx. There's also an area known as the hypopharynx, which includes the uh, larynx and the voice box. And there's the nasopharynx, which involves the nasal cavity and the paranasal sinuses. And then we also will deal frequently with salivary gland and okay. thyroid cancers as well along with skin cancers that occur in the head and neck as well. So the OMS covers all of these areas? Yes, that's correct. So our specialty, when we think about the management of head and neck cancer, really, really focuses not only on the oral cavity, but really extends from an area called the skull base down to the clavicles. Wow, this is really interesting. I think some people probably think of OMS, oh, teeth and gums, but it's certainly more than that. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So when we think about oral cancer, what are the signs and symptoms we should be looking for? Well, some of the signs and symptoms of oral cancer can be very insidious. And many of these things are, can, be a, can be mistaken for other types of complaints. What we often see is things like lumps and bumps that can occur inside the mouth or in the neck. We can see persistent red or white lesions can see also the presence of ulceration that does not heal, the presence of bleeding, the presence of loose teeth. We also get concerned about numbness or the new onset of numbness mm -hmm. and also ear pain and any conditions such as difficulty swallowing or any changes with our, our ability to speak and swallow. Yeah. So as you talk about those things, it's easy to understand how the signs and symptoms of oral cancer could be signs and symptoms of other things as well. So it really takes an expert to diagnose these things properly. Is that right? Yes. And in general, what we'd like to try to convey to patients is that any lesion or abnormal sensation, or if they don't feel that things are right for more than about 14 days, they should really be seen by either their primary care physician, their general dentist, or a specialist. Okay, that's excellent that you said that. I was going to ask, when is it time to see the doctor, dentist, or OMS? So thank you for saying that. So when we talk about oral cancer, are there categories of oral cancer we should know about? What are those? The most common type of cancer we see in the head and neck is something called squamous cell carcinoma. About 90% of the malignancies we see in the head and neck are this type of cancer. It's a 
tumor that can affect the mouth. It can also affect the deeper structures in the throat and the voice box. I think there's one important thing to understand is that traditionally the risk factors associated with oral cavity cancer are the use of tobacco and alcohol. Mm. However, in the last 20 years or so, we are seeing a lot more patients being diagnosed younger that don't have the traditional risk factors associated with oral cavity cancer. Many of these patients have a human papillomavirus-induced cancer, and this is biologically uh, slightly different than the traditional type of oral cancer that we see. Okay, that's interesting to hear. So when we see the commercials on TV for get vaccinated for this uh, HPV, this is part of the outcome of that. This is one of the cancers that can manifest because of that. Yes, that's correct. We know that papillomavirus not only causes oropharyngeal cancers, but can also cause genital cancers and cervical cancer as well. So the big one is oral squamous cell carcinoma. You said 90%, and people who are more at risk for that are people who smoke and drink. Is that right? That's correct. Excessively drink excessively. Yes, that's correct. Wow, that's interesting. So how important is an examination for detecting oral cancer then? You know, we're very fortunate that in the head and neck, and particularly the oral cavity, we are able to perform examinations without a lot of need of technology. It's a relatively non-invasive, it's a very accessible site. So it's certainly an area of the body that can be examined and needs to be examined at least annually in the majority of patients. So visually you can see if there's a lesion or you mentioned earlier some of the signs and symptoms, those are easy to see visually or a lump or a bump of a patient is complaining or that of that easy for you to kind of get in there and look and go, okay, it could be an issue here. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, the components of an examination are not only visual inspection, but they're also palpation and and our ability to feel those structures and make sure that we can get a sense of what looks normal versus abnormal. Right. And you said, you know, some of the symptoms before you said difficulty swallowing, things like that, mouth pain, mouth sores, those types of things, those are clues to you as well. Yes, that's correct. Right. Okay. Does everyone need to perform like a a cancer self-exam as we were just talking about or or some level of self-exam? I think in general, what we tell patients and what we recommend is is that people should have a comprehensive head and neck cancer screening examination, usually annually above the age of 40. They can certainly self-examine, but in general, a comprehensive head and neck exam performed by their by, by their dentist or a specialist or primary care physician is completely appropriate at least once a year. So when you go into the dentist for your annual checkup or cleaning or every six months, they will look and, you know, obviously I've been there and stick your tongue out. They look under to the side. They look inside. Everything looks good. They, so that's kind of that visual inspection. And of course, you know, are you feeling anything, anything? Nope. Okay. Everything at that point looks good. But that type of at least once a year kind of inspection is important. Yes, that's correct. Right. And then of course, know your body, know your feeling, what you're sensing, those types of things. Hey, I've got a lump here, doc. You may want to check that. What is this? And yes, which that's happens correct. normally sometimes you bite or a sharp chip or something. Hey, what is this? And right. Yeah, that's Correct. So in general, we like to tell patients that, you know, if something doesn't feel right for more than about 14 days, they should really get it evaluated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So early detection is really a key to a key component to all of this that helps you with your job. Yes, that's correct. It's also important to note that unfortunately, about 50% of the cancers that we see in the head and neck are diagnosed with an advanced stage. And the more that we can do as a profession and also with public education, like what we're doing here, to really alert the general public to the signs and symptoms of head and neck cancer will go a long way to being able to de-escalate that stage so, so we can diagnose patients with much earlier d disease. The earlier diagnosis of these patients makes treatment much less complicated. It takes away some of the morbidity associated with the typical types of treatments that we give. And if we're able to diagnose patients with early stage cancers, they can also very often avoid radiation and chemotherapy. Which is important and really nobody wants to go through. So that's why early detection is so important. So, Dr. Katamani, let me ask you this. Is there any way to minimize our risk through brushing and flossing? So oral hygiene is a very important component of overall health. And if you look at the literature, there really hasn't been a strong correlation between oral hygiene and the development of, however, it's good for a general practice for people to maintain the best oral health that they can. Absolutely. And then does family history play into this too as well? You know, that's, again, a great question. There are certain subsites of people that have genetic conditions that makes them immune, immunosuppressed, that makes them more susceptible to the development of oral cancer. But in general, there's not a lot of other conditions that will play into this type of diagnosis. Right. All right. Well, Dr. Katamani, thank you so much for your time. Anything else you want to add when we're talking about oral cancer in the OMS? I would just like to thank you for the mm -hmm. opportunity of doing this. And I think uh, if I can leave our consumers with the message of early diagnosis is important. And if they feel that there's anything wrong, that they should certainly go and see their dentist or their oral and maxillofacial surgeon for a comprehensive examination. I want to thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time. And that's a great message. If you feel there's anything wrong, don't delay. Better safe than sorry. Go get it checked out. Yeah, that's correct. For sure. Dr. Katamani, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate this. And for more information in the full podcast library, please visit myoms.org. And if you found this podcast interesting, please share it on your social media and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for listening.